I am so excited that uh, our group's ministry is uh, kicking off here after Labor Day, and uh, so you saw just uh, kind of a, a sample of, of some of our leaders. That doesn't represent all of them, um, but why don't you um, just thank the leaders uh, of our groups right now at Hilton Head Island Community Church. They, they, they're behind the scenes. They don't get a lot of attention, nor do most of them want it, all right? Even in a video shoot like that, it's tough, okay? I, even myself, I would much rather be doing this than looking at a camera, so it's tough. But um, I'm just so thankful for those, who, um, those of you who are uh, um, not only uh, leading a group but are also a part of a group. Um, thank you for your commitment. And so we've got a bunch of our groups, and you're going to get something about halfway through my message, or a little bit towards the end of my message, where you can look at the the list of groups that we have open right now uh, that will be kicking off here this fall. And uh, I want to challenge you and encourage you to get in a group and grow in your faith walk. As a matter of fact, that's where we're going to be today. And we're continuing in our series called Body Life. A few weeks ago, we kicked off this series as we kind of um, are heading into the fall. A lot of times we'll focus on church life and what it means to be a part of a church. And someone came up to me the other day. They're like, well, I can tell it's August because we're talking about church life. Are we going to do this every year? And I'm like, yeah, we are. You got it. Because it is so important that as we get back into the swing of things, that we understand why we gather, what we're here for, why we're doing this. And we take a different approach every year to mix it up. But this year, uh, we've been focusing on this word body that's used all throughout the New Testament. Uh, the, the church is described or compared in many different ways. Sometimes it's called a fellowship or an assembly. The bride, I just mentioned the bride of Christ is the church. Uh, it's often uh, referred to as a family. But body really represents the idea that we've been talking about and that we'll continue to talk about next week as well as we wrap up this series, that we are many and yet one, that, that we all are, are play a different role, that we all have different parts, yet the church has one singular focus. And so we began uh, just uh, two weeks ago talking about what it means to be a part of a body, and uh, we focused on uh, really the idea of us enjoying each other and church unity. We're continuing that theme a little bit today. Um, last week, we talked about what it means to worship, and one of the things I talked about is um, when you're here, be here. You know, when you're in town, be here, because I realize, uh, you know, there are sports and family uh, obligations and that sort of thing, but my encouragement encouragement to you is when you're here in town, be here at church. And so that's my encouragement on that. And then uh, today, we kind of uh, round the corner, we're going to be talking about what it means to mature in your faith in the context of what you just saw, group life. Because there really is an, a link between maturing in your faith walk and being part of a group. Uh, how many of you uh, would consider yourself people that um, have a green thumb? Raise your hand this morning. I want to see you guys. All right, raise your hand up high. Be proud of the fact. Awesome. That's great. That's awesome. So um, I, I sometimes pride myself in that as well. And then, um, you know, I realize there's like those of you who can't, those of you who can, and those of you who think it would be awesome. 
and you just don't want to or can't. But this is, uh, this is ivy, and this ivy's been growing for a number of years. We've had it in the backyard, and we put it on our front porch recently, and uh, we've been taking really good care of this ivy. And so um, as we started shaping up the yard a few months back after, you know, um, one storm, we had a really bad storm. Those of you who are local, you remember back, I think it was in May, we had a really bad storm. And, uh, you know, that was the day I got my chainsaw out and had some fun because there were chainsaw noises everywhere, and I knew I could, like, you know, you know, not have anybody bug me about it. But anyway, so we, uh, we moved the ivy um, from the backyard to the front and gave it some water. And then we had this great idea, let's transplant this ivy and try to get another stream going. And so here's what we have right now with the transplanted ivy that we have, all right? So wh what do you think about that? Does that look good? It's trash. <laughs> That's awful. Man, somebody said trash. You're right. It is. I mean, that is nasty, isn't it? We, we put this in and we thought, well, we'll have, a, you know, we'll have some ivy on the front porch and we'll have some ivy on the back porch. And now I have ivy on the front porch and a great sermon illustration. Okay, so that's what I ended up with. Um, but, you know, it's interesting um, when it comes to growing things, whether it's a yard or plants or ivy or, or ferns, and we have a lot of those that have, you know, died over the years um, at our house. Um, it's interesting to watch one thing flourish and another thing die. It's interesting to watch like how one thing can grow with the right combination of fertilizer and water and the right type of sun. And it grows and it gets darker and greener. And it may, if it's a flowering plant, it may bloom. And you watch something else and you might try to give it the same care or you may do something different and, and, and it just completely dies. And I noticed that when we put this ivy um, on our front porch where um, we just put in a, like a whole new bed of other plants and we've got another plant over to the left and the right, um, this ivy throughout the summer um, began to really flourish and it began to get deeper green and it grew in length and, and it's healthy and it's vibrant and it's flourishing. And this ivy we put on the back porch and you know what else was on the back porch? <laughs> Furniture. There was nothing else on the back porch except this ivy and a little bit of furniture. And as much as we watered it and as much as we did some things to it to try to get it to thrive, it's garbage. It just is really just garbage. It's dead. It has really roots that are just so thin. And never got the nutrients it needed. And I know there's a lot of reasons it died. Um, there's probably several reasons it died. Many of them, you know, I may know some of them. I may not know some of them. But I do know this, that this plant was in the dark and it was isolated. It was completely by itself. And I can't help but think that that's part of the reason, with my limited knowledge on such things, that this plant died. Today, what I want to talk about is the fact that um, each one of you who are here today um, were created as spiritual beings. Whether you're a God follower or not, you're a spiritual being, and God's intent for you is to thrive spiritually. His intent for you is not to die spiritually. 
And and some of you who are here today, um, you're thriving because you know what the ingredients are. You know what the right mix is in your spiritual life. You know that you need to have times where you're alone with God, when you're isolated from the world, when you spend time in his word. You know that you need a lot of prayer. You know that you need time when you're um, like just talking to him and pouring out your soul to him. You know that you need time when you're memorizing God's word and really going into a deep study. But I would guess, I would venture to say that for those of you who are thriving in your spiritual life, you also have one ingredient that may be among the most important ingredient in your spiritual life, and that is the fellowship of other people. You understand that to thrive spiritually, you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. Nor, was, nor were you made, nor was it God's intent for you to try to grow in your, in your spiritual walk by yourself. You know, we talk about things like spiritual maturity and spiritual growth or your journey with Jesus or whatever you want to say, however you want to say that. But the concept of growing and maturing in your faith is a biblical concept. It's not something that man has made up. And I want to point you to mainly two passages today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to go back at the end to Romans chapter 12 as um, we go back to our kind of our springboard passage to take a look at what God's intent for our lives in terms of unity and community and fellowship with others has to do with our spiritual growth. I want to begin, though, with the idea of spiritual maturity. And Paul is speaking here, and he's, and he's writing actually to a church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a key city in the day and age, in that day and age in the first century. It was a very important city, probably, arguably, like the, the most important city next to Rome. It was a key place. It had huge influence, not just in the world there in that, that time, but it had influence really all over the known world at the time. And so Paul is giving a largely encouraging message. In fact, Ephesians is my favorite letter um, to the churches that you see of Paul's because it's largely encouraging and it has so much to do that's practical in nature. And in chapter 4, Paul challenges the believer to grow in their faith, in his or her faith. And I want to take a look at verses 1, and we're going to read all the way down to 16. We'll skip one or two verses in the midst there. But I want you to pay attention to this and check out what Paul says. He says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he wrote this from prison. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, he's not talking about a specific calling there. He's not talking about a calling to ministry. He's speaking to all of those who are in Ephesus who are Christians. He's speaking to all of us here today in 2016 who call ourselves Christ followers. And he's saying that we need to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And he continues that and he describes it. He says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in, say that word with me, in love. He says, eager to maintain the what? What's that next word? The unity of the spirit, of the bond of peace. Now, I, I want to pause here for a second and just ask you kind of a tough question. What has your encounter with most Christians been like? Is it one of love and humility and unity? 
For some of you, you can answer that question. I'm glad you can answer it. Yes, it is. It's one of love and of unity and humility. But I would guess that for a lot of you, your interaction with Christians, unfortunately, um, you can't say that it's been marked by love and unity and humility. Unfortunately, sometimes we have the tendency to like, want to be so right. And in, in the course of being so right, we do a lot of damage to those around us. You see, we can be right about God's word and his message and still operate with love and humility and unity. Am I right, church? We can still do that. He goes on and he says, there is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. He says, one Lord, one baptism, he says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We'll talk about that gifting a little bit next week. Skip down to verse 11. He says this, and we're going to come back to this theme next week. He gave to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Again, I'll, I'll bring some clarity to that next, next week. And then he says this, for the purpose, this is the purpose, this is the why. We always want to understand the why of what's there. He says, for the purpose of building up, what does that say? The body of Christ. You see, we're all gifted, not for our glory, not so we can be puffed up, but we're gifted so that we can equip the body of Christ. And in verse 13, he says, until, excuse me, yes, in verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be, what's that next word? Children. Oh, man, that hits you right in the gut, doesn't it? So that we may no longer be children. And then he says, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, he says, here's the opposite of what he's been saying, rather than being tossed to and fro, rather than being a child, have any of you ever been called a child before as an adult? That, that hurts, doesn't it? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? You don't have to embarrass yourself, all right? But he says, don't be like a child in your spiritual journey. Rather, speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to, say those next two words with me, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is growing properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I want to give some perspective for a moment because we could spend a whole message series just on those 16 verses. And we did a few years ago, by the way. But I want to give some perspective. If you look at the, the, the large view of that passage, what Paul is talking about is he's talking about you and I becoming mature in our faith. But he does something that's really interesting because if you notice, 
everything that he talked about surrounding that maturity has to do with the body of Christ. Unity. Community. Fellowship. Strengthening what? The church. Strengthening the body of Christ. Every time that Paul talks about being brought up into maturity, the purpose of that maturity is not for your sake individually, and it's not for my sake individually. It is for the cause of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. And I think that sometimes the reason that Christians are not known for love and humility and unity is because they take on the mantle of spiritual maturity for themselves. It's self-seeking and self-serving, and they wield it with pride and arrogance. And I, I need you to hear something today. God hates that. If there's anything God hates, he hates that. His purpose for you and I is to grow in our faith so that, yes, we can become stronger. Yes, so we can become more knowledgeable. Yes, we can find our spiritual gift and get in a community of believers and grow and seek in, uh, God's word and spend time in prayer. But not for our sake. It all is for the sake of the body of Christ. You see that woven through that maturity and, and unity and the body of Christ are inextricably linked. If you try to pull one thread out of it, it's going to pull everything else. Because health, really individually, benefits the whole. You see, if we, each of the members of this body of Christ are growing and maturing, are not childlike in our faith, but are growing and maturing in our faith, if we all commit to that, then we as a body of Christ will flourish. If we individually flourish, the body of Christ flourishes as well. I love that. I love that. Peter also encourages us to grow spiritually. In 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, he says this, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy, and slander, <laughs> like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up. Same word that Paul uses, into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Spiritual maturity is something that we need to be committed to. And I love our students right now. They, they had camp uh, several weeks ago, and they've come back, and they've remained strong, and they've, they've remained um, hot in terms of their, their spiritual lives. And we need to continue to pray for them. But, hey, adults, man, we need a little bit of that as well, don't we? We need to, be, we need to have the fire of our hearts stoked as well. We can go back to our main passage there in Romans and see that Paul in his letter to the Romans is essentially saying the same thing. He says this in verse 9. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast, he says. Hold fast to what is good. He says, love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. He says, if you're going to be competitive about something, be competitive on like how much honor you show, how much you love each other. Be competitive in that. Don't be slothful. I love that word. In zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek 
to show hospitality. We see again that Paul links spiritual maturity for the purpose of the church. And so if the church is going to thrive, if the church is not going to die, if Hilton Head Island Community Church is not going to die, you and I are going to be committed to growing up in our faith walk and learning more about the Bible and spending more time in prayer with God, pouring our hearts out to Him so that not we just don't get healthy ourselves, but the church begins to flourish. And church, this is the time of year for us to maybe realign or readjust our thinking or our practices or our habits. It's a time of year for us as a church to kind of come back and say, what is most important? We talked the last few weeks about the mission is most important. The mission is most important. And the second part of our mission, our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. Part of the leading people to follow him is you and I joining together, not just on Sunday morning, not just like, you know, together for a few minutes, but joining together outside of this environment to grow deeper in our faith so that we can share with each other and so that we can begin to flourish with each other. And so we see that spiritual maturity is important, and we see that it's important in the context of other believers. But what does that look like? What exactly does that look like? Well, um, uh, Luke, after he wrote his, his gospel message, he really began, he's a doctor, and so he loved details, and so he began to write the message of, of really the first church, the first group of Christians, after Jesus had died and was resurrected. Um, and so he writes the book of Acts, and we see in the second chapter of Acts, as soon as God's Holy Spirit comes down on those believers, we see the very first group of Christians begin to get together. And they give us the greatest example of what it means to mature in their faith together for the purpose of the unity of the church. Check this out in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they, those first Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. That means they ate together, okay? If you, I don't want you to miss that, okay? So some of you like food. I like food too, okay? So I like eating together with you all. So yeah, they ate together. They broke bread. And notice how many times it happens. Um, and prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. And they had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and gave them or distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and, hey, they're eating again, breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily or day by day those who are being saved. Check this out. These are some acts or practices of that first church. Check this out. They studied together. They studied the word of God together. They spent time together. They ate together, they ministered together, they believed together, they suffered together, they shared each other's needs together, they attended church together, they ate together. Did I mention that one already? <laughs> they thanked together, they had gratitude together, and they worshiped together. And then you know what happened? They got to see the results of God moving and God working together. I would love to have been there, wouldn't you? But you know what? Here we are 2,000 years later, and you and I can be a part of what was happening in Acts chapter 2. If we realize that 
Our ability to thrive in our faith walk and our church's ability to thrive is dependent upon you being committed to maturing, not just by yourself, not just alone, which leads to death, but with other believers. And that's what today is really all about. I'm going to have um, some of our, our greeters and ushers. They're going to come around. They're going to pass out a grow card. And, and that grow card really uh, is a, a listing of, of many of the uh, leaders and groups that are meeting here this fall that are open. We've got a few others that are, that are just like too packed, they're closed or whatever. But um, this is a list of the ones that are open right now. And so uh, I want to encourage you to take a look at this today. Um, and, and turn it in today. What you can do is you can put your name on there, your cell phone number, your email address. Please write clearly. That would really, really help us, okay? Um, check this out and see if one of these connects with you. See if one of these days or time or study or demographic group of people like connects with you and, and go check it out. Try it out. Just mark one of those down. You can turn it in today. You can give it back to the folks in guest services. There's a big basket down. You can drop it off here in this basket right in front of me. And, and, and I want to encourage you this fall as our groups get going. Our groups begin after Labor Day and they end around Memorial Day, roughly. They're all a little bit different, but that's largely. And some of them meet weekly. Some of them meet every other week. Some of them are, mine is for the purpose of prayer and fellowship. Some of them are deep Bible studies. Some of them are, are places where you can just share life together. And so I want to encourage you to find a place where you can thrive with other believers. Because here's the deal, church. I want you to hear this. Spiritually, you were not meant to live this life alone. God himself, by the nature of who he was and who he is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, just the very nature of God speaks community. You were not meant to live life alone. And you know our spiritual journeys flourish when we express and exercise that spiritual journey in the environment of community. Find a group, jump in, and get involved. In 2015, I started a, a men's Bible study, and uh, we met for about a year. Actually, I think it was in 2014. We met for about a year. And uh, we met early. We met here. We, we got together, and we, we had a good time. There was probably about 10 of us, and some of you who are here today, some of you were a part of that. And uh, little did I know that I was going to go through a tragedy during that period of time, because right smack in the middle of that, my mom, um, we, we got the word that my mom got cancer, and many of you know the story, six weeks later, she, she passed away. And, and it was right in the middle of that, and man, that, just the surprise of that, and some things I had gone through like leading up to that, it was, it was difficult for me. And, and those guys, they came around me, and, and they prayed for me, and um, there were a couple of those men in particular They'd come up to me in the middle of service, put their arm on me, and pray for me. Um, it, it was incredible what that did for me in my life. Some of you are going to face crisis over the next few years. Some of you are going to have joy over the next few years. Don't do it by yourself. Share the good. Share the bad. Join together and, and talk to each other about how your spiritual life is going. This is what God desires for each one of us. His intent was not for us to live life by ourselves. This past Friday, I dropped uh, Sydney off at her uh, dance class, and I had about an hour and a half 
And I decided I'd go um, play golf. Friday's my day off. I'd, I'd go play golf. And I went over to Bear Creek, which is near our house, and I played the back nine. And I got up to number 14, which is a little uh, par, par three, and I'm out there by myself. There's nobody on the course whatsoever. I'm there just doing it alone. And, and I played a few weeks ago, and I wasn't happy, so I'm like, I'm going to work on my game. But I was keeping score and that kind of thing. And um, I, I've been playing golf since I was three years old, and I've never had a hole-in-one before. And there I am on that par three, and I get my eight iron out, and I hit 157 yards, and it is a beauty of a shot. And it hits the green and hits the pin, and I think we have a picture of where it landed. (laughs) And yes, I did take a picture of that, doggone it, absolutely. And at first, I was like, oh, man, that is as close as I've ever come to getting a hole in one. And then you know what I thought? I am so glad it didn't happen today because I was by myself. <laughs> Can you picture that? Like, hey, honey, I got a hole in one. Oh, awesome. Who was with you? No one. Hey, you know, Andy, hey, uh, Chris, I got a hole in one. Oh, did you get the scorecard signed? No, I didn't have anybody playing with me. That would have stunk. My first hole in one would have been all by myself, and none of you would have believed me, and I can understand that. Listen, you were made for community. You were made to thrive and grow in the environment of sharing your spiritual journey with other believers. Find a group, find a place, get involved. If there's not one, talk to us about it. We'll help you find one. We may even help you start one. It's vital for your spiritual life and for the health and vitality of this community that you, as a member of the body of Christ, get involved with other believers. Father God, thank you so much that you gave us each other. And God, thank you that you did not intend for us to live this life by ourselves. And God, I thank you that you, um, by the very nature of who you are, are a God who, as hard as it is for us to understand, is three in one. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us who are in here, who are part of this community of believers here on Hilton Head Island. Father God, I pray that you would help us to to recognize how important it is for us if we're going to thrive in our spiritual lives and if we as a church are going to thrive. God, that we do it with each other, not just on Sunday morning in the few minutes we have shaking hands and patting backs. But God, in a genuine environment where we can share life together, where we can come in and let people know about our hurts and let people know about our joys and let people know how they can pray for us and how we can pray for them. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to be committed to finding a place where we can thrive in our spiritual lives. God, help us to understand how important it is um, and how you made us for community how the body of Christ is just ready to thrive and to grow and to serve our community and to have a greater impact. Help us, God, to realize that we're not made to do this life alone. May we be committed to joining in and finding out where our place is and being a part of other Christians in a small group environment here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Guide us and bless us as we continue to worship. In your name we pray, amen.